Our scripture today is found in Genesis 3, verses 8 through 10. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So uh, do you remember where you were when the space shuttle Challenger exploded? Yeah. It's one of those days that you just can't ever forget. I, I remember. I was eight years old. We had a brand-new library media room, and we were, my whole class, the whole grade level and other grades, I think, we were going to see the first lesson by a teacher in space, Krista McAuliffe. She was going to give us a lesson. And we were sitting there for a long time, and we, we all were kind of getting fidgety but trying to keep still, and it just went on and on. And I will never forget looking over and seeing the group of my teachers in a knot And they were just sobbing and wiping tears from their eyes. It's a day so many of us will never forget that tragedy. And one man in particular will never forget that day. And his name's Bob Ebling. His picture's up there. 31 years ago, Bob was a structural engineer, one of the subcontractors with a group that was building the shuttle and the components. And the shuttle Challenger launch, I don't know if you remember, but it was delayed a lot. And finally, they thought they had the launch date, and Bob and some other engineers um, who were responsible for lots of components, but one of them was the O-rings, they looked at the launch uh, day and the temperatures that were expected, and it was colder than anything they had accounted for. And they put their heads together, and they realized in that temperature, the O-rings could become brittle, and a failure could be catastrophic. And so they, they reported it. They reported it to their superiors, and the superiors took it to NASA, and they said, you know, we think we have this problem, and there were all these discussions, but in the end, NASA said, we're going ahead. Bob went home, told his wife, couldn't eat, tossed and turned that night. And turned on the TV to see the launch going ahead. 15. And 10. And then 5. And the Challenger lifted off with 7 astronauts. And O-rings that he had serious misgivings about. And he could only watch with tears streaming down his face as it exploded. 7 people died. Bob felt like it was on him. That he knew and he could have, should have done more. He should have argued all night. He should have laid across the lunch pad. He should have protested. He should have gone to the media. There was a million things that he could think about looking back that he could have done differently. And because he didn't, because he was too afraid, because he failed, seven people were dead. He resigned from NASA, and he tried to hide 
I don't know if even in his mind he would have thought of it as hiding, but he went to this really remote bird sanctuary, this structural engineer of space shuttles, and he began to rebuild this bird sanctuary that had been destroyed by a flood. He got a presidential commendation. But for 30 years, Bob was haunted by that day, that night. And he was a Christian. And so not only did he feel like seven people had died because he could not represent the danger well enough because he didn't do enough, he also felt like God had placed that responsibility on his shoulders, that it, his, his work was a calling. And so he carried this guilt and this pain that he had failed God for 30 years, suffered with depression, couldn't sleep because of this disaster. And we need to talk about this, not just for people like Bob, who are believers but are still carrying around these burdens, but because I know that all of us here in some degree suffer from a similar affliction. I know this, you guys, because so many times I'm talking to one of you. I'm saying, God is doing amazing things in you. What do you think is next? And then it's like this wall slams down like a curtain closes and you say, oh, not me. If you just knew, if you just knew who I was, what I did, you wouldn't think that of me. And it breaks my heart. Because God does not want us to live as his children carrying around the burdens of our sin. God wants us to be free. You may say, well, that's Bob. I mean, he tried. At least he tried. I get that. But Pastor Laura, if you only knew, I didn't even try. I stood at the altar with somebody and I vowed to stand by them for the rest of their lives until one of us died and I I betrayed him. My parent, I, we had a falling out, and I just said, someday I'll fix that. But they died. How do you fix it when it's just a tombstone? How do you fix that? Or you say, you know, I knew what I was doing was wrong, but gosh, I thought it would only fall on me. And then so many people lost their jobs because of what I had done. And you carry it. I know you carry it, and I want you to be free of it. I never want one of you to say to me again, oh, if you only knew what I've done. Unless it's to to confess and to get free of it. Because this problem... Last week we talked about the problem of being afraid of our future because we can't see it and it's unknown and it's terrifying. But there's an equally big problem of being afraid of our past because you can't change it. And every single one of us, if we could, I know, me, you, all of us, if we had a rewind button, we would hit it, we would go back, and we would make a different choice. But we can't. And so we're afraid that we have disappointed God, that God gave us something, trusted us with something, and we failed, and God is angry. Or that forgiveness is for other people, but maybe not for me. I want you to be free 
from this burden. I don't want you to be afraid of your past anymore. This problem of being afraid of the past is as old as time. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. The scripture that Pastor Greg read. Here God has created this paradise. Perfection. No darkness. No illness. Right? Nobody had a sore throat like this or the sniffles like y'all had. No. It was perfect. It was beautiful. And God said, it's all yours. You have meaningful work. Tend my garden. You have food in abundance. You'll never want for anything. But hey, that tree right there, don't eat it. It'll kill you. And then God left and the people were like, hmm, you think it'll really kill us? Day after day, their thoughts would go back to the one tree off limits, the one that they knew they shouldn't go to until finally they reached out their hands and they took it. They smelled it. They shared it with each other. And finally, they ate it. Only that bite of food didn't nourish them the way the rest of the food had it burned. change something for the worse. And you can imagine them looking down and going, (gasps) and looking out with horror and seeing not only have I fundamentally changed something for the worse in myself, but I have allowed darkness into this good world. And so they tried to hide. They, They knit together fig leaves to try to cover their own bodies and They did it in fear because every day God would walk with them. At the end of the workday, they would walk together and they would enjoy the earth while the sun was dipping low and they had done the one thing God said not to do and God was coming. And to them, it felt like the hammer was about to fall. And so they're sewing together the fig leaves and every snap of a twig, they're going, he came early until they've got this little makeshift outfit and they hide behind the bushes so God won't find them. Hiding doesn't help. Bob hid in a bird sanctuary. Adam and Eve hid behind a bush. Where do you hide? Maybe it's in an 80-hour work week. Maybe it's in a lot of noise. And the TV's always on or radio's always going. Maybe it's excessive exercise. Maybe it's excessive play. Maybe it's excessive food or alcohol or nicotine or pornography. Maybe you are a lot angrier than you would be otherwise, a lot busier. Maybe you just have tried to stuff it into a corner so you won't have to see it. All of us, all of us, me, you, all of us, we try to hide. But God doesn't want us to hide. God wants us to come to him so he can heal us. 
God doesn't want us to try to fix it on our own because we can't. We know that, right? We can't fix it. The only person who can actually rewrite the story is the Lord. So at some point we have to stand up and confess. But it's so terrifying. And that's why I love what God did with Adam and Eve. There they are covered in this makeshift fig leaf thing hiding behind a bush. And God comes into the garden and says, where are you? Not, boy, have you got to come and get out here right now. It's, where are you? Where, is your, how, where have your choices led you? Where are you? It's a call that then they can answer and stand up and say, over here, I was afraid. And as they begin to admit that fear to God, as they begin to admit what they've done, the sin, they own it, then God begins not to remove the consequences, but to offer mercy. To say, I'm going to help you live in this new reality. And eventually, in the fullness of time, God sends us Jesus. So that now it's not just mercy, it's forgiveness. It's Jesus saying, I have died in your place. So all the sins, all the darkness, all the evil, I'll take it. And you don't have to carry it anymore. So we have to answer that question. We have to stand up. And Adam and Eve did, and eventually Bob did, but it took him 30 years. I don't know exactly why he waited that long to try to find forgiveness, to try to speak about the, the sin that he was carrying around and his fear. But I know that last year in January, the 30-year anniversary of the Challenger disaster, NPR called up Bob. He had been a confidential informant for them before, but this time they said, can we say your name? Will you tell your story? And Bob agreed. He came out. The where are you? He said, this is where I am. Every night I go to bed and I can't sleep. I've had depression. I've had guilt because I feel like I failed God. I feel like I failed those people. And a million people heard it, heard his confession. And what happened was that hundreds of Americans like you and me said, we need to help that man. And they would write in letters, uh, type in an email, call on the phone. Please tell Bob I don't blame him. He tried. He did everything he could, and eventually he was overruled. And eventually it got to his supervisors. And so Bob has all these letters, and then the supervisors call, and they said, Bob, you told us what would happen. You did everything you could, and we made the decision to go ahead. And don't carry that anymore. And Bob said it was like being set free. For 30 years from a burden of a sin, just in confessing it and having the world say, we forgive you and we, we don't think you should carry that anymore. I don't want y'all to wait 30 years. I definitely don't want to... God to have to make NPR call you so you confess to a million people. 
I want you to walk free today. That is the incredible, amazing gift of God that even today God is calling out to us, us with our horrible past, saying, where are you? And what we need to do then is to have the courage to stand up and say, I'm over here. And I'm afraid because of this thing that's in the bag. To speak it to our Lord. To speak it to each other. To find your accountability partner, a trusted friend here. This is why God gives us each other. Is sometimes we need to not only hear from the Lord, we need to hear from our friends. You're forgiven. God really does forgive you. I, that was driven home to me today when I'm holding the bag of rocks and the kids are coming up, especially the first service. I said, don't say it out loud. And they would throw the rock in and tell me what it was they were ashamed of. I pushed my brother down some stairs. I took a cookie when mom said no. And I just look at him and say, you're forgiven. God forgives you. If you were holding a rock in your hand right now, what would the name on it be? You're forgiven. God forgives you. It's time to stop carrying it around. It's time to grab it by the throat, friends. Grab it by the throat. Throw it at the foot of the cross. And leave it there. Leave it there. Live forgiven. Live free. Live unafraid. Let's pray. God, may your forgiveness be real in our lives. From this day onward, may we not be afraid of the past, but stand up, come out of hiding, and confess to you our sins. Forgive us for them. You have that power. To not only forgive us, but to give us a brand new start so that we don't have to carry them around anymore. Lord, set us free today and help us to not be afraid of our pasts. In the mighty name of our Savior Jesus, amen.